You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. On the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past and present and emerging. The Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance, the MEAA, called for the International Day of Solidarity with Palestinian Journalists from Monday, February the 26th, saying that since October, over 100 journalists have been killed in Gaza. This is 10% of the workforce killed in an unprecedented attack on press freedom, it said. The ASU, the Australian Services Union's members in the community legal centre sector, took the issue a step further, calling for a walkout on Thursday the 22nd of February. We joined the hundreds of people who clogged the pavements outside the Victorian Council of Social Services offices in the Melbourne CBD. But first, some union news. SafetyNet reports the first workplace manslaughter conviction in Victoria. Stone masonry business Universal Stone and Marble has become the first company convicted under Victoria's workplace manslaughter laws following the death of a worker fatally crushed at a Somerton factory. The company has been fined $1.3 million for negligent conduct leading to the death of a worker. The company's sole director, Laith Hanna, was also convicted and placed on a two-year community correction order along with other penalties. The incident occurred when a 25-year-old subcontractor died after a forklift operated by Hannah tipped and landed on top of him. The prosecution marks the first completed under Victoria's workplace manslaughter provisions introduced in July 2020. More than 200 network aviation and Qantas link pilots covered by Australian Federation of Air Pilots, the AFAP, were set to walk off the job on Thursday the 22nd of February for four days over a long-running pay dispute, which was actually set to be extended. But the strike at the Qantas subsidiary was cancelled on Wednesday, given the risk posed by ex-tropical cyclone Lincoln in northwest Western Australia, the Federation has suspended the protected industrial action planned for Thursday to Sunday to enable evacuation flights to potentially take place if needed, a union spokesperson said. Senior Industrial Officer Chris Atkin said, the pilots did not want to place the public at risk. The Federation will monitor the situation regarding any possible future action once the current threat has passed, he said. Network aviation pilots have already walked off the job over their wages battle three times in recent months, which has impacted thousands of regional airline passengers and fly-in, fly-out workers. 
The Federation has accused Qantas Group of refusing to negotiate and taking previously agreed terms off the bargaining table. It said network aviation pilots were fed up with being treated as second-class citizens by Qantas Group and don't get the same pay conditions as other pilots employed by the airline despite doing the same job. Qantas has denied this, adding it has not walked away and has been negotiating with the Pilots' Union for 18 months. The airline said it had made three wage offers, including pay increases of more than 25% plus yearly 3% increases, new allowances and greater roster protections. The union has rejected this, arguing the 25% offer was only made to some pilots who were being paid below the award rate and the increases most pilots would receive under the proposed deals would not keep up with inflation. A Fair Work Commission hearing has been rescheduled for March the 14th and 15th to determine whether the parties have reached a stage where an outcome cannot be negotiated. In an escalation of industrial action, MUA members who run the network of wire-drawn ferries took 24 hours stop work action on Monday, that's the 19th of February. Signage at the site read operators have volunteered to remain on site, unpaid, for the full 24 hours to be available to run the ferry in case of medical emergency. After careful consideration, operators have also made the decision that they will be also taking school buses across the river. Our action is targeted Brighton and transport for New South Wales. We want to minimise impact on our families, friends and community. The CFMEU in Queensland held a rally on Thursday the 15th of February calling for Industrial Relations Minister Grace Grace to resign over dysfunction within Workplace Health and Safety Queensland. The union also used the rally to call on the Queensland Government to introduce an effective heat stress code of practice for outdoor and high-risk work. This follows several incidents across Queensland, including the death of one labourer and more than 25 workers being hospitalised from heat stress on the Cross River Rail job. Workers have previously taken industrial action over the failure of CPB, the lead contractor, to make the job safe. It was reported on the 15th of February that the electrical trade union ETU members at DP World at the Port of Brisbane have had the gates locked on them amid ongoing enterprise bargaining agreement negotiations. Union members had voted to take partial work bans but continued to work during rostered times. However, DP World told workers they would not be paid at all for their time. This was the same tactic employed by DP World in its most recent protracted dispute with the Maritime Union Workers, EBA, which has reached an in-principle agreement, but word has it there are still stumbling blocks in the agreement with the company playing now you see me, now you don't routines while pretending the union and workers are playing hardball. The ETU Queensland and Northern Territory Division's Scott Reichman said, This is a company owned by an international billionaire, a monarch based in Dubai. DP World pays no tax in Australia despite generating over $4.5 billion in revenue over the past eight years. 
Workers on the ground are the ones generating money for the company and are repaid by underhanded tactics come negotiation time. Mr Eichmann went on to say the company is attempting to strong arm and bully the workers into dropping their protected action and endorsing the subpar EBA. Mobile speed camera operators employed by Serco escalated their industrial campaign with a 24-hour strike on Sunday, 18th of February. The CPSU said the revised pay offer snubbed employee demands with the new offer not including weekend penalties and ongoing issues with the dispute settlement clauses for employees. The CPSU also claimed Serco has ignored the advice of the Fair Work Commission in the drafting of the revised pay offer. The Australian Federal Police Association has applied for a protected industrial action ballot setting the stage for national industrial action. In a sign of the growing resentment against being legally railroaded into broader public service pay deal of 11.2% over three years, AFPA President Alex Karuna said that this course of action is the only way forward due to the restrictiveness of the government's public sector workplace relations policy 2023 and the non-APS bargaining parameters forming part of that policy. We are stuck with a bargaining policy that won't allow the AFPA to bargain with the AFPA to provide pay rises that are competitive with private enterprise and other law enforcement agencies, Karuana said. The AFP and tax office workers are areas that have not fallen in behind the APSC EBA offer, which is being sold on the 11.2% over three years plus flexible work conditions. For the AFP, flexible work conditions is irrelevant, while some of the flexible clauses being touted were already in the APS agreement, according to the tax office workers. Early childhood educators covered by the United Workers' Union across Australia will take unprecedented action on March the 8th for International Women's Day. Over a 1,000 centres in every state and territory across regional and metropolitan areas around the country will be forced to close their doors as educators stop work, says the UWU. Helen Gibson, Early Education Director, United Workers' Union, said early learning is in crisis, with educators forced to make the hard choice between the job that they are so dedicated to or leaving to find a job that can pay their bills. Educators cannot stay in the sector on its current poverty wages. Fell's report on price gouging. Workers call for pay rises that are at or above inflation to stop the continued wage cuts experienced across the country have been continually quoted by employers and their mainstream media mouthpieces as the cause of inflation. You will recall the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Union, instituted an inquiry headed by Professor Fells, former head of the ACCC, to investigate price gouging as a contributor to inflation and more particularly as the instrument of the reduction in workers' standard of living. 
Key findings of the FELS report were corporate profits have added significantly to inflation and some businesses have too much power over their customers, their supply chain and their workers. Many businesses are resorting to dodgy price practices, including loyalty taxes, dip pricing, excuseflation, rockets and feathers strategies and confusion pricing. A range of sectors are insufficiently competitive or insufficiently regulated, leading to poor consumer outcomes and higher prices. The report makes 35 key recommendations. Six relate to prices, four relate to mergers and divestiture, five relate to competition policy, and 20 relate to issues in specific industries examined in the report. The conversation reported about Coles' deployment of invisible bossware. Coles Supermarkets' partnership with Palatia Technologies, a US defence contractor, to analyse vast amounts of data should send shivers down the spine of supermarket workers and shoppers alike, according to the article. Their stated aim is to enhance operations, optimise workforce management and cut costs. This development underscores the increasing use of surveillance technology or bossware in everyday business operations. While Coles presents itself as forward-thinking, the deal highlights the shift towards data-driven decision-making in industries like grocery retail and prompts questions about the ethical and safety implications of relying on technology to manage labour and customer interactions. Coles' reliance on Palatier's technology may lead to dependence, potentially affecting its autonomy and decision-making processes. Moreover, there are concerns Palatier's data-driven approach inadequately considers Coles' statutory occupational health and safety duties. Focusing slowly on data overlooks staff and customer safety and raises concerns that when decisions are made based on data, there is potential that worker and customer safety and right to privacy are overlooked. Overseas, the French Data Protection Authority, CNIL, has fined Amazon France Logistics 53 million Australian dollars for implementing a surveillance system deemed excessively intrusive. The system closely monitors employees' activity, including parcel processing rates and breaks, leading to continuous pressure on employees. The CNIL found it excessive to retain all collected data for 31 days. Amazon was fined under general data protection regulation regulations and corresponds to around 3% of the French company's turnover, a significant amount given that the maximum fine was set at 4%. The company was also fined for inadequate employee notification about its video surveillance system. Amazon warehouses have been criticised for poor working conditions with high rates of workplace accidents and employee-reported physical pain and stress. Amazon is disputing the CNIL's findings, 
stating the system is common practice for, in inverted commas, safety and efficiency. The company has the option to appeal, while the CNIL may conduct further investigations. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Many workers in Australia have called for more action around the attack on fellow workers in Palestine, particularly as the remaining population is being corralled into one part of the country no larger than the Melbourne CBD. Australian services union members in the social services sectors walked out of their jobs on Thursday, the 22nd in Melbourne, in support of Palestine. First we hear from some of those gathered and then from one of the organisers of the walkout, the first unprotected action of its kind in modern Australia under the present industrial legal regime. I'm an ASU member and I work in the family violence sector and I think that our organisations have not been vocal enough and they're not using their power to stand in solidarity with, um, especially in the family violence sector where we're about um, stopping children and women particularly experiencing any kind of violence and our organisations aren't standing up to say this isn't okay, they're not putting pressure on local government or on the federal government to actually um, withdraw support from the Israeli state. And that's why I'm here. So as a uh, grassroots worker, yeah. it, that's, you're going to push from below? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, like giving to people who are, um, you know, who are workers who don't think that they have power, um, an opportunity to actually be involved in something collective. Because at the moment, the only time people get involved in something collective with the union is to do with pay, usually, negotiating a, um, a pay agreement. And actually there are lots of things that we can be doing together in solidarity and we do have a voice if we're in a collective. I've heard it said that uh, unions are one of the few civil uh, organisations within Australia that actually have a capacity to make these expressions of political concern. Well, interestingly enough, the union itself is not able to endorse this. This is not a supported action um, from our unions proper. This is a rank-and-file, up-from-the-ground membership initiative. The unions themselves are very vulnerable to being um, fined, to getting in trouble. We don't have the same rights that we're used to um, as unions. And so this is also about the membership rising up, coming together to hopefully give unions a bit more um, encouragement and confidence that actually maybe we can start to do things. That's an interesting point, isn't it? That Australia's so-called democracy is very circumscribed. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we're so used to being told that we live in this like liberal democracy, especially here in Victoria, that it's only when we start butting up against these things where so many people are calling for more action from the government and they're not being listened to and so they're starting to look for different mechanisms and questioning why the ones that we thought we had that were supposed to be helping us organise and um, have power as people together are not working for us anymore. Well it's important to stand in solidarity with the people of Palestine. I think it's important for a lot of the organisations that espouse social justice values to walk them and to live them and so the minimum we could do is be calling a ceasefire and so that's why we're here today to get our workplaces to at least call for a ceasefire and make a statement on why this genocide needs to stop. It's a cliche to say it but it's, uh, the silence is deafening and so we just want our workplaces to stand up on their, on their values and stand for something and this is something we need to stand for. Uh, many of our community members and our client bases 
come from refugee backgrounds, come from displaced peoples, and watching what happens to Palestine, uh, as a minimum, we need to be standing in solidarity with them. Thanks very much. All right. Louisa Bassini, who's a community lawyer and organiser of the Community Legal and Social Services, the, the walkout that happened last Thursday, as well as a member of the Victorian Socialists and the Australian Services Union. Thanks, Louisa. Hi, thanks for having me. So on Thursday, several hundred community service uh, and legal workers took unprotected strike action. We wanted, we wanted to make it unmistakably clear to the leaders of our sector the, de the depth of our opposition to this genocide. It came after a, a refusal by our CEOs and boards to make public statements on the issue, despite a groundswell of opinion expressed through meetings, countless emails and open letters. We're told this isn't a workplace issue. Why not just access some counselling if you're upset, protest in your own time? But the social justice sector ostensibly prides itself on values of fairness, justice, human rights and human dignity. Yet we witness this attitude of those people over there, they're different from you, let's all get on with it, stop dividing people with your hostility and your agitation. And it's simply not acceptable to us because we're seeing every day with our eyes the extent of what ordinary people are being forced to endure and the care that we're meant to show in our work, the care that we do have for our communities, for our clients and for each other, doesn't cease simply because the people that we're witnessing this happen to, happen to live in Palestine. In fact, it's the opposite. We know that as long as our stomachs are full, as long as we're not thirsty, when we can sleep at night and watch our children smile and thrive, we should be doing everything we possibly can to bring these atrocities to an end. The other argument that we get, or that we got, and if we do it again, we'll get it, no doubt, in response to the strike was, oh, there are, pro there are proper processes that you ought to be following to further your aims. And yes, we've used these proper processes, but they're loaded with double standards. We don't accept that the rules and etiquette and laws that we're told to adhere to, that we're berated with, have any legitimacy actually, when the most powerful governments in the world, including our own, give material, ideological and political support to the most egregious violations of international law. When the proper processes facilitate genocide and silence those who oppose it, then the whole system needs questioning. We, at the very least, in the last few weeks, wanted our organisations to make public statements. But actually, I think most of my workmates, a group of wonderful people who are Muslim and Jewish and atheist alike, many of us felt that we should be doing, trying to do something more to build towards organisation and action that government can't ignore. We were fortunately already connected as union members with other community legal centres. And when we put the call out to try and organise something um, over this issue, it became clear that people across the sector were similarly enraged by what Israel and Western governments are doing in Palestine, more than any workplace issue. And people wanted to put up a fight around this and were prepared to face the consequences that might flow from it.
There are strict laws in this country about how and when you can strike as a worker, with significant penalties for contraventions. And it should make us stop and think, how free are we really in Australia if it's illegal to stop working in opposition to a genocide? Well, while our governments continue to refuse to heed the calls that we make in forums like this. If we can build a majority of support within our workplaces and extend that out to other workers in other industries, to manufacturing and shipping um, workplaces where there's a real power, then we can contribute to the kind of movement that can't be ignored. One where the laws and penalties that hold us back become meaningless because no employer would dare to impose them. One where our voices and actions have the impact that they should have and actually be felt by our brothers and sisters in Palestine. Thanks. You're listening to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News, broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with the program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or at your favourite podcast site. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by ringing 03 9419 8377 and leaving us a message. My name is Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together.
doing a video? I don't know. Did he take it like the wrong pill? Maybe he took the wrong pill. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.